what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Welcome to Buckets. It's payday, gents. My name's Matt Moore, and I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by my colleague, NBA Futures Analyst, Brandon Anderson. This is your draft recap edition of Buckets. Glad to have you with us. A reminder that everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app, the best way for you to track your picks and get up to the second information on where the bets and money and everything you're coming in on. Brandon, great day in the morning. Paolo Vancaro went number one. Um, my draft night recap is basically that when I missed, I missed huge. And when I missed small, no, when I missed, I missed huge. I didn't miss small at all. That's just not a thing I did. I missed huge. But when I hit, I hit absolutely massive. This is kind of the challenge I had when we were doing these podcasts. And I, I talked about like what I had bet. I can't be talking about a podcast about like, hey, I got this number two days ago. You should go back in time. But I will tell you, from a general draft standpoint, from learning about betting, the top three selections, here is what I learned. That in an unstable market, when there's not a clear number one, or you know, next year if there's a clear number one, Wamanyama, but like two through four are uncertain, there's value in, this, in playing the market because I got Jabari at, 10 to one to go number one back in January and have bragged about that constantly. But I also got him at plus 150 and plus 130 over the last four days, which allowed me to bankroll following the movement on Paolo Bancaro and betting him at plus 1200 on Sunday, plus 1800 again on Wednesday before the big moves on Wednesday night. And so when Paolo hit, I had absolutely massive. If it had been Jabari, I was going to be good. As long as it wasn't Chet, I was fine. And there was no indication it was going to be Chet. Um, So I came out great on the number one. I do think there's something to be learned here about following the national reporting because everyone thought this was Jabari and kept being confused by the line movement. Sam Vecini, who we had on the podcast on Monday, rightfully was, was pretty spooked by the odds movement. Maybe next time people need to follow the money because the biggest reporters in the industry were saying Jabari until 740 Eastern is when uh, it, it might not be Jabari. It, it might be Paolo when the books had when the sharps had been betting it since Sunday, Brandon. Jabari was the favorite. Jabari was the pick everyone had number one on lottery night. And then he was the betting favorite that night and all the way. Until Sunday, we talked about that already. The big Paolo steam, he took over. And then, as you've mentioned, the Jabari buyback. And it just flipped right back. It's like, basically, we saw the cycle Sunday. And then again, Wednesday. And then again, at 1.30 a.m. on Wednesday overnight into Thursday. And then again, like, in the last minutes before the draft. Four times, we saw this huge steam on Paolo. And... Every time it happened until the last one, how did the steam stop? Whoa, she tweeted out a little thing about all my sources are saying Jabari Smith, number one to the magic. And as soon as that would happen, suddenly things would disappear off the books for like a minute. And then we're right back to Jabari as the big favorite again. Look, Thursday morning, the morning of the draft, uh, 11 hours before the draft, 
FanDuel reopened their odds with Jabari Smith at minus 10,000 to go number one. Yeah. That is the, it's over. Like, stop the count. We know the winner. That's the number for that. A hundred, you would, you would delay a hundred dollars to win a dollar on Jabari Smith the day of the draft. Yeah. So there was a lot of talk last night. I think as a betting podcast, we, we have to, you said this a little bit already, but there's a lot of talk about, you know, the Sharps beat Woj. Do you think that that's the story here? Is there, did the market and the Sharps beat Woj? And that is the big takeaway. And how will this impact draft betting going forward to you? There'll probably be an overreaction, right? I mean, this is going to make yeah. it easy. Like part of what's, what's scary <laughs> about this, I think for the, for the books, and we'll see if, what, how this reacts, how this, like we'll see the response that this happens with in terms of what props they offer and when, um, which they always are kind of open about like these, these like drafts are tough for them. They offer them anyway, but they're, it's tough because it's not a game. There's not an outcome. It's not, there's not, you know, 40 years of, of lines to go off of and build. And there's not stats. It's just decision-making. Um, I think it'll probably be an overreaction next year in terms of if the books want to, if Sharps want to come in and hit a number, you have to respect that now. Like you have to, and there'll be, I think a resistance against that. A lot of what I talked to bookmakers and they were like, look, we were following the market. We didn't want to be hanging a number that was completely out of line because then we'll take on too much. Like I had like one bookmaker said, like, we want Jabari. Like that's, that's our preferred outcome. We always have booked it towards Jabari. It should be Jabari. And so, but when these odds came in, they had to shorten the Bancaro odds. And then they started taking on money too, because if, if they're behind then they're the outlier and sharps and everyone sees them enough. People are in the market to see that these numbers are moving and go, okay, I can't get where whoever bet over here did. I'm going to go to this other book. That's still hanging Bancaro plus 900 and I'll hit it here. A lot of these folks were just following. Like that's all that that, that happens a lot with the books is they just tail each other. And so, you know, I think there's more room for market manipulation. I'm worried we're going to see a reduction in availability of odds because (laughs) win bet, Bet MGM and by the time of the uh, by by Thursday afternoon, Superbook all packed up and we're like, that's it, folks. We're done. <laughs> Thanks like, for playing. <laughs> they, they did not have draft props available the day of the draft. I would yeah. have never thought that was possible. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and Bet MGM never did. Bet MGM had number one pick. That's it. The yep. entire month. That's the only thing I ever saw there. <laughs> yeah. Like and and they pulled that and we're like, we're good. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. We're yeah. all right. Um, I, I think too, it's, it's interesting. Somebody tipped me off to a guy uh, in the top five. Did, it didn't work out. It didn't go for me, but a, Hey, this guy might go in the top five. You can bet this at 60 to one. And I put a, a pretty small bet on it. I put like 10 or 20 bucks on it. And instantly like they processed, they took my bet after like the little spinning clock thing. And then immediately after within like two minutes, I noticed, Whoa, that bet just dropped from 60 to one to 25 to one. And your immediate thought when that happens is let's go, baby. I got value. Here we go. No, no, no. You're the value. You (laughs) just created the line move. Like that's the thing too, with the betting market is it's not a huge market. Like this is not an NFL game where there are millions and millions of dollars in bets coming in. When you bet on this niche random dude to go 60 to one at a top five pick, and suddenly the book is liable to pay out several hundred dollars. They're just going to move the line so that they, they don't have to do that for other people, just in case you're right. That's it. That's all that's happening. So I think it was a lesson for me to remember that also. Um, you said you had big hits and then didn't get the small ones. Mine was the opposite. 
which is weird for me because I'm, I'm a big hitter. <laughs> yeah. When I did small, I was good. The things that we talked about on the Buckets podcast, Okshak Baji over, that was my big one, that nice hit. hit. Jaden Hardy over, that hit. Jaden Sharp under, wrote about that one, that hit. Uh, I missed on Keegan. I'll, I'll alley-oop that one to you in a second. I missed on Chet. That was early, just my early read, and it never came home. Uh, under two and a half international players. All the little ones hit. I, I literally said on this podcast and others, in my in the draft, I bet on uncertainty. And then like the day of the draft, I suddenly started being like, okay, we got Bassini's podcast and Wu's podcast and Babscock's. Uh, that, they're all saying this thing. I'll bet 22 to one at this guy at number 18. And I'll bet 20 to one over here. And I'll Jalen Williams at number 14. Anywhere where I did the Brandon thing and got pretty and went for the home run, that the 15 to one, the 20 to one, I got none of those. We, we got the Paolo home. I didn't even play Paolo because I was busy that night, but I did jump in and grab Jabari plus 653rd, which yeah, was kind okay. of the reactionary things. So keep that in mind when something swings and all the line movement is going crazy, what, what goes the other way? So those are my wins. Peyton Watson, five to one first round, I think was one of my bigger hits. Keegan Murray, that was a big one for you. I missed that one. I was over, over, over on him. You hit that one. That, that was a big win for you, right? Yeah, call me Mr. Number Four, because two years in a row, I had Scotty Barnes last year. That was our, our biggest position um, over at action. Everybody was tailing on Scotty Barnes, and I'd heard Scotty Barnes consistently, and that hit. I heard for weeks that both the Kings and the Pistons, but especially the Kings, really like Keegan Murray, and that multiple teams wanted to draft up to get Keegan Murray. And so for me, when there's value, because everyone's like, no, it's Ivy. It's got to be Ivy. Everyone agrees it's Ivy. And I hear that there's this one guy that everyone's kind of chasing. That's when I start betting it. So had Keegan Murray number four um, and that cash big for me, that was a, a great hit for us. That was in my best bets. That was the top of my line on it. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's funny with the top three, just to finish up on that is you thought Chet should go one by the time of the draft. I'll say like, I was sold on Paolo. Like I was like, I think Paolo actually might be the best, the best prospect. Uh, but more specifically, I was like, I don't think it's Chet. And I like, I repeated consistently. It's like, I don't think OKC takes Chet. This doesn't seem like a Presti pick. I don't think Chet, OKC takes Chet. I couldn't get my brain around it. And they took Chet. I was wrong. Like, I'll, I'll find out why and what the thinking was. And I hope this works out because I'm, I like OKC in general. I think that they do things the right way. And I hope to God that they don't wind up watching him blow away when a, the air conditioner hits and he just floats into the atmosphere. Um, I, I hope that he doesn't join a new metal uh, Smith's cover band like he was dressed for on Thursday night. I have a hard time taking this person seriously, Brandon. Um, yeah, we'll know. talk about, we'll talk about his rookie of the year odds. I will say that once I started to think about, man, if you can just run pick and pop over and over and over again with Shea Gilders, Alexander and Chet Holmgren. Oh boy. Yeah. That's, that's going to be pretty great. Um, By the way, our guy Vegas refund, who was on the most recent podcast posted his results. Yeah. He went 12 and three on posted bats and 80% hit rate. 40% ROI on his. So Insane. make sure you're following him at Vegas refund. Dude just cleans up draft after draft NFL, NBA doesn't matter. His, his Intel tracking system yeah. is working. So we Congrats appreciate that to him. Um, I got, here's where I started to go wrong. The first big miss for me was Dyson Daniels going eighth to the Pelicans. They like Jang a lot. And then something happened over the last 24 hours and Jang slid. I think honestly it was, it was either going to be Dyson Daniels or Jang. Yeah, I had heard I they like Daniels, but and I went back through my notes, Brandon. This is like a killer for me that I, I missed on this. The notes I had said the Pels like uh, like Jang if Daniels isn't there. 
Exactly. And that's what I think happened. And I noticed that too, because my whole thing, we talked about it on a lot of podcasts, Shane Sharp under, Shane Sharp under, and a seven and a half. And more and more, it looked like, well, it's going to have to be seven then because we knew those top six. And then Sharp went seven. And I was like, yes, my first big hit. I got that one. Oh no, that was supposed to be Dyson Daniels. Yeah. If he's not there, then he's here. Cause I was with you on Jang. We had top 10. I did get, and I learned this too. I, I was in on Sohan at that pick for a while and Jang. It's important to play these multiple ways and not just get pretty on the one thing. So, you know, get, get like a top 10, get an under 12 and a half. So there were ways I ended up kind of winning some on Jang and Sohan there. But yeah, I think that was the domino thing. Yeah. I don't think it's that they went off of Jang. I think that the Pelicans like Dyson Daniels more, didn't think he would be there. Uh, I remember looking at the odds going into the draft and Dyson Daniels was like near even odds to go number seven and near even odds to go to number eight. Like he was the clear favorite for both picks. And I was like, well, that can't happen. That's not how the draft works. You don't both get custody. <laughs> so that's why I felt good about the Jang eight thing. But you're right. I think, I don't think you misread it. I think where what we missed is that Shane Sharp went in there and that's the tough thing with the draft. It's all dominoes. So uh, the other big one I had was I was all over AJ Griffin to go 11 to the Knicks. Um, But the good news is is like, if you read the article I posted on action, I said, take the other guy they wanted um, was Johnny Davis. And I said, take the under on Johnny Davis, 11 and a half, pay the juice on it and use that to bankroll AJ Griffin. So I came out Mm -hmm. even on that where yeah. Johnny Davis goes 10. So I hit the under on 10 on 10 and a half and under 11 and a half. And then that paid for what I lost on AJ Griffin, AJ Griffin's medicals. I hear just did not come out the way that you wanted. Yeah. That's why they slid to 16 with the Hawks, which I still think he can be great. I think that was probably based off of what I know. I think that was probably, I think they, I think these teams got a little, they outsmarted themselves. You know who we should have been hammering the under on. Did you have Jalen Williams under? I did. Yeah, I should have done that more because once they, the buzz started him on the draft, that's one where it's like, because I just heard, climbing. yeah, because like I heard, I heard, I was like, when I when I talked to people, I was like, oh, the the bulls, the wolves like him, the bulls like him, the yeah. rockets like him, the hawks <clears throat> like him, and that's sixteen, and then there's always like a four spot bump. I just should have taken the under on that. I I regret yeah. be getting too cute and taking the Cavs under, assuming that he would last till fourteen. That was a mistake on my part. Yeah, and I, I did a little bit the same thing. So he, we talked about him. You and I both bet him, I think, to go to the Cavs at number 14 and got really good value on that. I had like an 1,100, um, and, and suddenly he was down to like plus 125 on it. I'm feeling great. The problem is, if we all know that, that he's the likely target, then the other teams know that too. And now you know that maybe you got to grab him ahead of that. You know, like the Thunder had multiple picks and traded up. Maybe the Thunder think that they can trade in for uh, for Jalen Williams later if there's not the Cavs rumor that we can we're trailing to. So I think a giveaway for us on that should have been his over under went from I mean he was not even on the board and then he went to eighteen and a half and under kept getting juice juice juiced and then suddenly like two days before the draft that dropped to fifty and a half three spots is a pretty big line movement on a draft position prop so that maybe should have tipped us off that he's going to keep rising. Um, one other takeaway that I had, I didn't end up really playing any of this way, but I know at DraftKings, at least, you could bet Nick's first draft pick will be, or Bulls pick, or whoever. There were a few teams like that. I want no part of those props in the future, because who even was the Nick's first draft pick? 
I think it was Usman Jang because the way that the NBA does the weird wonky, no, you didn't trade yet. Wait until the new league year and all that stuff. Like, right. I don't know how they're going to grade those. And so I just, I don't want, I don't want to do it. I'll play. Yeah, the, I think the, not only that, thing. not, not only that, the other thing I think was that I, cause I got too much into those two. I had, I bets on the Knicks and I had bets on the Cavs. And I had bets on the Bulls. Um, the reason that I realized those were bad bets was you're basing it off of what they're expecting the board to look like. Cause they're like, well, these guys probably aren't going to be there. So we'll take this guy. And that was the Intel. And I was right. Like I think if, if Jalen Williams, I think if Jalen Williams is there at 14, the caps do take him, but he wasn't. And once you start getting the, the order messed up and guys start slipping because somebody takes yeah. a reach. Now, all of a sudden, guys that were higher on their boards but they didn't expect to be there now all of a sudden those guys move up so yeah i'm with you we're i'm gonna stay away from those next year um finally i did take patrick baldwin first round that was a a good hit plus 250 i had keels plus 350 i wrote about it and said like look this is first round shaky and i was wrong I, i had good intel i think on trevor keels and here was the big one when david roddy goes 23 all of a sudden, that's when things went off of the rails, right? Like Roddy goes 23 and Wesley goes 25. Wendell Moore was a little bit of a reach, but I really like him at 20, uh, at 26. Jovich was about where I expected him at 27. Baldwin was 28. The spots that I had marked for him, or here's another one. Branham falls all the way to 20 because LaRavia goes 19. Like yeah. once those start slipping again like that's where keels and keels doesn't go until 42 and it's not that, um, that you could be like that was 12 spots after the first round i get it i'm telling you that the teams that were looking at keels that i was banking on taking him all had better options because of the yeah. reaches so yeah well and the other thing too is those picks at the end of the round are often rumored to be moving elsewhere like yeah. 29 was a spot that was supposed to be rumored for kendall brown who i bet mm-hmm. first round didn't hit uh we, we talked about andrew nemhard first round 29 was the spot because the Grizzlies had the second pick and we thought they'd trade out of it. Well, they did trade out of it. They traded up. And so that went to Minnesota who had different plans with it and ended up in other hands. And like Denver had the 30 pick. I think we thought Denver would trade out of the 30 pick and not keep a second first round pick. And so that's where it's like, well, maybe a team will trade in for this guy or for this guy. So yeah. And the first round fringe guy bets, is another spot where I got a little caution on of like, as the draft is unfolding, Oh, Oh no. Oh no. These three guys are in here. Well, that is three spots that's just evaporated. Yeah. And I was feeling good about this guy. Cause he looked like 29, but we just bumped three spots down. Smaller bets on longer odds. I think is the way to go first round that I think is honestly the way I will tell you like David Roddy going that high was insane to me. That was, yeah, that was a shocker. I heard most shocking work. pick of the round for me. He wasn't mentioned as anybody except for like, a, they like him in the second round. I heard his workouts weren't great. The prospect itself doesn't check out with most of the draft analysts. You weren't high on him. Like that was a, that was a, that was a pretty crazy one. Um, let's talk about rookie of the year quickly. And then we'll do, we'll finish up some, some draft analysis. Um, okay. Palaban Caro. I'm looking at DraftKings. Palaban Caro is plus 300. Jabari Smith Jr. plus 350. Chet Holmgren plus 475. That's interesting. Jaden Ivey with the Detroit Pistons plus 500. Keegan Murray plus 800. Shaden Sharp plus 1200. Benedict Matherin plus 1200. Dyson Daniels plus 1500. And then we've got longer shots all the way down. 
Um, give me a read on the rookie of the year market. I, I don't want to bet this yet. I want to see what the rest of the rosters look like, but give me your thoughts on rookie of the year right now. So I think right now at this moment, you've got to make Paolo Bancaro the favorite and he is listed as the favorite. I think he's the correct favorite. And uh, I, I'm going to think about betting it because I think he's a clear enough favorite that the number maybe could shorten a little bit. He's going to, he's going to get a lot of touches and shots. The Magic want to show that they got their star. They want to show that they got their guy at number one. And they haven't had the franchise guy. Like, who, who's the last Magic franchise player? Like, is it Dwight Howard? Is, is that the last Magic guy? I guess I'm blanking. But, um, yeah, I, I think he's going to get a lot of points. He's going to rack up the box score stats, rebounds, assists, the whole thing. He's going to do all of it. Um, Chet Holmgren, no. <laughs> like Really? No. Like, not look, Evan Mobley this year was a weird rookie of the year candidate. Rookie of the year is not about winning impact ever. Rookie of the year is about putting up numbers. It doesn't matter if your team wins or not. It doesn't matter if you're a winner that is good at defense or does all the little things. Chet is a winner that does all the little, little things and he is tiny and it's going to take some time. I want no part of betting Chet Holmgren. I wouldn't put a dollar on it. Jabari wow. Smith, I could see, but here's the thing with Jabari Smith. You watched, I think, that game that they lost in the tournament when Jabari Smith looked terrible. Why he looked terrible is not because he was bad. It's because Auburn's guards are awful. And Jabari Smith is basically just an isolation shooter unless he has guards that are going to get him touches and get him in the flow of things. Guess who doesn't have that? It's Houston. Like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., they're going to do their thing. They're going to get their numbers. So Jabari's good, but... Rookie of the year is almost always a top three pick. And I think Paulo of those three is, is the best bet. Here's the guy that I might bet a little bit. By the way, Paulo is plus 350 at FanDuel. If you want a long shot or a long-ish shot, I'm kind of thinking Benedict Matherin could be interesting. Okay. And I think he's 1,500 at FanDuel. Benedict Matherin is a scorer. Like he's, he's going to be a, a Lou Williams type scorer. So if Indiana really continues to blow things up, they haven't really started yet, but if Indiana clears out Brogdon and clears out Miles Turner and maybe Buddy Heald, I don't think anyone would be surprised if several of those names go. Then Matherin could be a guy where just like, all right, the Pacers are tanking. We're just going to give the ball to our rookie and let him create and play make. It's not like Tyrese Halliburton's going to score a ton of points. That's not really Halliburton's game. Matherin could be an 18, 20 points a game score. And that would give him just a high volume and a lot of shots. And, and uh, he'll get some assists along the way. I think he could be an interesting value just as it's, it's just volume and numbers. That's it for rookie of the year. So what do you, what do you think about Matherin as kind of a long shot play? Well, I have to ask you, cause we had this whole big argument and I'm open to being wrong on it. So I have to ask you, what about the rebounds, Brandon? What about the rebounds? I'm at, I'm serious because Scotty Barnes' rebounds did, did wind up helping him this year in winning a fraudulent award over Evan Mobley, who should have won the award. Um, like, who's the rebound play? Who's the P points, rebounds, assists? Who's the PRA play? That's, that's Paolo. I mean, that, that's why okay. Paolo is number one, because Paolo is going to put up this season. He's going to average like 16 points, eight or nine rebounds. Well, 16, eight, and three assists. Something like that is kind of like a baseline for him. And then like, look, we don't know how this goes. The Magic aren't going to be good. The Magic are not going to be a playoff team this year. So that means we're going to get to like the last 30 games of the season. And some of the guys who are good on their team will start to sit. And then Paolo, there's going to be like, hey, you know, it'd be cool 
is if we got our franchise a rookie of the year, that'd be great. What if we kind of just play through Paulo even more and boost his numbers even more? So he's going to have that, like the Jalen green end of season push too. So I, I just, to me, Paulo, I think is the favorite. And it's like, Oh, well, what fun is that betting the number one pick to be the rookie of the year? We talked about this a little bit offline before the draft. Paulo was my favorite to win rookie of the year. Anyways, like in Houston, I would have picked him pretty much any place. He would have been my favorite, I think to win it. So Points, rebounds, assists, the PRA play, definitely Paolo. Like, there's there's no case that's anyone else right now. And maybe the opportunity comes if there's trades or injuries for someone else, but it's already there for Paolo. Why not Keegan Murray? Keegan, I, I have in my notes, maybe Keegan second. I think I need, I need to wait and see what happens with the Kings roster. Like, for example, is Harrison Barnes around? And... Why should that matter? Well, Harrison Barnes is a good player and Harrison Barnes is going to eat up minutes and usage and shots. And he's a really similar player to Keegan Murray. And I don't really know why he wouldn't be there because the whole thing is they're trying to win now. And if he is there, probably that means Keegan Murray starts at small forward, which he's not really a small forward. He's kind of a combo forward like Barnes. Like if the roster moves the right direction, then I can see Keegan. He's, he's, could get the volume thing could be kind of like what I, the case I made for Matherin. So I won't rule him out. Like, I think I could see him be a top three finisher. I don't find his number tantalizing enough that I need to bet it now. So I will, I would rather wait on him and see if some opportunity opens up within the Kings. I fear it might not. Uh, okay. I will probably bet Paolo when we get closer. I do, do, have, do you- I have, I have one long shot. Before we move on, let me ask you about Paolo. Do you think so? It's three fifty right now. If you're waiting till it gets closer, does that mean that you think the three fifty will still be there? Because I think so. are, are you worried at all? It could get to two hundred, two fifty ish range. I think so. I, I think it'll still be there. And if I get to two fifty, I don't know. I guess here's the thing: is like I want to Orlando could actually clear more space for him to play, right? Like a Mobamba trade, like ensures I don't have to worry about a minutes crunch, those type of things. Yeah. So I, I let's get through summer league, I think, and then I can make yeah. some bets. Although like last year I came out of summer league and was like, it's Jalen green. This is over. And <laughs> then Jalen green was, had yeah. the most. And I had Cade Cunningham and I owned you. Oh wait, we both lost that one. <laughs> yeah. The only long shot I have is uh, AJ Griffin plus 2,500 for the Hawks. Mm. So Hawks are looking to trade. Everybody couldn't do it on draft night, by the way, nobody could trade, could trade things. Um, plus 2,500. 25 to one for who is considered to be maybe the like, would you say that AJ Griffin's a better scorer than Matherin? Uh, he's a better shooter than Matherin. I'd yeah. say Matherin's a better scorer. Right. Um, I think there's probably a little bit of value there for Matherin, right? Contending team will be on TV a little bit. Well, not contending, like a good team with Trey Young, yeah. new roster might clear some more space for him. I think there's probably some value on AJ at 25 to one. Yeah, I don't mind it. It, it it strikes me as more of the case that we would make for an MVP type candidate than for rookie of the year. Like I just, I worry that he's going to get enough volume when you got trade taking all the trade shots and just, there's a lot of other wings that's there. Fair. Like that's fair. Maybe, maybe if Bogdan gets traded or is hurt again, like there's just, he's going to have to fight just to get minutes. So I, you know who I want to yeah. bet? I'm not even kidding who I want to bet. I want to bet Dyson Daniels, but I can't do it because of mm-hmm. because he's on the Pelicans and there's too many good players. Like Zion and JV and Ingram and CJ and Herb and Trey Murphy. Like where, what's the usage? Like he's not going to start. Right. I think, I think he could, because I, I actually really like the fit for Dyson. 
he basically ran point at the G League Ignite team. So he's a defender. He's long. Why wouldn't you start him as your quote unquote point guard next to CJ and Brandon Ingram? Like you need the length and and switchability out there. And you're going to have Herb as your defender and Dyson Daniels. You need those guys out there to just kind of be complimentary guys. Here's the thing that I want to know on Daniels. And this will watch in summer league. Can he score? And will he score at all? He's not a shooter. He can't shoot yet. That's fine. New Orleans will fix him. They have the magic here there, but not immediately. I wouldn't take him right now because I don't think he's going to score enough. But I thought the same thing about Josh Giddy a year ago. And Giddy put up really good numbers. Daniels will get the rebounds and the assists if he gets some time. We need to see if he can actually score some buckets at Summer League. I, I think it's a little early on him. Um, the only other one here is, do we think that Cade will have the ball so much that Jaden is not playable? Because Jaden Ivey is like ready-made, top-level guy, like going to have the ball in his hands a fair amount. Pistons will be better. He's got big to throw it to. Like, is Jaden Ivey maybe, are we, like, is Jaden Ivey pretty, a pretty simple, like a keep it simple, stupid option besides Bancaro? Given that Ivy's plus 500 at DraftKings, I'm sure you can find a better number. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's about right. I think it's about the right area for him. Like, he, he seems like he should be a top five-ish candidate. I do think Cade's going to have a lot of the ball. It seems like Detroit's going to add somebody else, too, whether it's Aiton or Miles Bridges or, like, they, they, they got the cap room. They're going to add somebody. So there's going to be a second pretty big mouth to feed that just got paid. You know, they've got guys like Sadiq Bey and others who are going to take some shots. Do you think Detroit is going to have any chance at a playoff push? And that would maybe push Ivy down the playing time a little bit until he earns it later. Cause I would fear a little bit of that too. You need no, to wait on him. That's not been the message from Weaver. I don't think so. I think okay. you're okay there. I think you'll be patient. All right. Well then I think I Ivy also, I'll tell you this. There. There's a lot of conversation about Detroit and Aiden. I'll just tell you, what I've heard people around the league. This is what they believe. They believe that the reason that Detroit cleared all that cap room was not to try and sign somebody. It was to try and they're taking on contracts. Other teams want to move in exchange for assets. If you look at it through that lens, that makes a lot more sense with how Troy, Troy Weaver operates rather than we're going to go try and sign DeAndre Aiden to a max deal. That's just me. Um, let's go through, real quickly through these. You want, to, you want to talk about these, and I think it's, it's worth going through. Give me five drafts that you really liked last night, Durant, Brandon. Yeah, so I'll start with the Pistons. We talked about Jaden Ivey. I'm not a huge Jalen Duran fan, but they got him for real cheap on the trade. Ivy, Duran, and Cade, like that is a squad. Two years ago, Detroit had no idea where they're going. And that is three guys to really build around. And like you said, they still have the cap room. They're probably going to add somebody to that eventually. I loved my favorite draft. And I know you and I disagree on this, but my Oklahoma City Thunder, you know how I bring out the shirt when it's the right pick. Chad Holmgren is my number one pick in the draft. Usman Jang is a guy that I rose late on, but I think he's a top five player in the draft by upside. The Thunder have a thousand draft picks. The thing that they should be doing is taking home run grand slam swings on upside. And those to me are two of the, the, the home runniest picks that you can make both Jalen Williams is, is good too. So uh, I, I was on serious radio yesterday predicting Chet and Jang. They are by far my, my draft winner. Hawks, we mentioned A.J. Griffin. He was fourth on my draft board. He's, he's good. He's really good. We don't know the medicals, but I agree with you. I think he's a perfect fit, movement shooter there. The Pacers, maybe the surprise. 
I'm high, very high in Kendall Brown. So bringing in Matherin and Kendall Brown, that's two top 10 guys off of my board. I believe they added Andrew Nemhard too first pick of the second round. I think just, just added some good talent there. And then the last one, the Warriors, maybe not yet, but Patrick Baldwin Jr. with a 28th pick. I noted that Baldwin had the highest upside of any player outside of the lottery. He is a former number one player in his high school class. In my draft guide that I wrote, I referred to him as Horizon League Kevin Durant. He played at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and he was just awful. He was terrible. His dad was the coach there. He looks like Kevin Durant when he plays, but it's against a bunch of like Horizon League dudes. So I don't know if that was a compliment or a diss when I called him that, but I don't feel great about the defending champion Warriors adding some version of Kevin Durant. That could be bad. That could be very valuable. He looks like Jabari Smith. If you imagine what you've seen from him, just a tall, long jump shooting dude. It didn't work in college in the 12 games he played before he got hurt. But man, if they got another one, the Warriors just keep doing their light years thing. Go to the five I like. All right, give me five you don't like. So I had to put the magic here just because I had Powell third of the top three that took him first. So and I don't know what all the secrecy and all that. I, I don't know what that was supposed to do for them. Um, Memphis, you and I disagree a little on this one. The Grizzlies have been an awesome drafting team for years, and I have loved them every draft night for three, four years in a row. They traded 22 and 29 for 19. They moved up three spots. That's just not good process. Like, 19 and 22 are the same outcome picks like that. Those three picks are all basically equal at that point in the draft. So giving up two shots for one. And then the guys they came away with, they got Jake LaRavia, who's this very unathletic kind of groundbound dude struggles to move laterally, but really high IQ, good feel, good shooter guy. They got David Roddy, who you talked about, but they had to give away DeAnthony Melton to get him. They got Kennedy Chandler in the second who's this small, tiny Chris Paul sort of point guard, plays just like him, but is small like him. It's really fascinating. Memphis is basically betting on size and athleticism don't matter. We're going to take three guys that just win and, and have feel for the game. I worry that none of these three guys can even like get on an NBA court and stay there. And they're going to be without Melton and Tyus Jones and slow-mo. And I think they lost a lot here. I mean, I'll just tell you, I think a lot of this is that you're only seeing it from a draft perspective, which is that's, that happens a lot with draft dudes. That they don't sure. see like the cat management. They don't see the roster management. Certainly. Like, look, we're not going to be able to like, you're not playing the night that you're not going to play any of these guys. And you're not going to play any of these guys in game six of the second round. No, they're not. But, but they, part of what we loved about Memphis all season long, as we backed them consistently on buckets was their bench. And basically they gave away Melton who you and I love as a top bench guy. Yep. And they're probably going to walk away from Tyson and Kyle Anderson. And that's the bench. That's the strength that I don't know. That, that I don't know that they lose both. So let's, let's go ahead and wait. Let's okay. see what they do. Okay. I think that's a big thing here is like the draft looks bad. If depending on what they do over the next month, let's see what they, cause I think that they're probably transitioning to we're a contending team and we need to operate as such. I think that's probably sure. part of the equation. Okay. Hit, hit me with the rest of them. Uh, Kings. Keegan Murray at four is just not a good pick for me. It's just <laughs> too high for an older player. I, I, I I got to evaluate off my board. He's 13th on my board, so I had to do it. Yeah, I hear you. And then the, the whole Knicks thing, like we won't get into it. 
The Knicks could have had Usman Jang at 11 and Jalen Duran at 13. The trade in for Duran was good for New York. They got good value on that. Instead, they have no players. They didn't get Jang or Duran. If they got those two, they would have been like a top three draft for me. Two home run swings, go for it. Instead, they got rid of Kemba. They have three future conditional picks, yay, that are all going to be like way out in the future because of all the protections. They're probably going to trade at least one more of those picks to clear more cap room so that they can overpay Jalen Brunson so that they can use the other picks they got to get off of Jalen Brunson's bad contract a couple of years from now. Just, I, I, I don't, I don't like it. I, I don't, I do not like it, sir. Uh, in the middle of that was the Hornets who could have just kept Jalen Duran and gave him away to the Knicks. And I don't really know what they're doing with that either. So I, I didn't like what either team did on that one. Let's talk real quickly. I, I think the only like real moves and I don't, I don't want to bet futures based off of the draft. I think that that's yeah. that process personally. Um, one guy I think you and I can agree on is the Bucks needed a wing. They needed a wing with size yeah. and they got Marjan Beauchamp and I saw him in person and that dude is huge. The book on him is that he cannot shoot. I will tell you that he has killed the workouts in terms of shooting. I saw him in person at the Nuggets one. I heard from another team that he shot really well there. He's been working on like, that's what he's been working on is he worked with a shooting coach and worked on cleaning up his form. I don't think it's like, he's going to be a starter. He's going to be the sixth man. But if the bucks moved in the direction that you would want them to move with the draft, they got a young player who can play next year, who can defend has size. And if he, if the shooting now shooting an empty gym is just not the same, but if there's anything there that can really help. So like the, the Beauchamp pick for the bucks that probably that takes away like, I don't know, 2% for no more than that. It takes away like seven to 10% of my concern for the bucks in terms of their wing rotation. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's the thing we said. Like, I think Marshawn Beauchamp probably plays in the Celtics series if they had him because that's how thin they were on the wing. Like, they're rolling out whatever, like, almost 40-year-old Wes Matthews to try to play minutes for them. They just didn't have options. So having a playable option matters. It raises the floor a little bit. Uh, I mentioned Pat Baldwin for the Warriors. I would be stunned if he actually plays meaningful minutes for them this year. But he's coming to The Warriors just... He, the Warriors just kept Kenny Atkinson. He is the reason that these young guys are developing so well for them. The way that Jonathan Kuminga came from a year ago, Jordan Poole, the way he's developed, Kenny Atkinson has been awesome developing young guys. So we'll see what happens with Baldwin. Um, Philadelphia getting DeAnthony Melton in that Grizzlies trade we talked about. <laughs> Assuming that they keep James Harden back way on the night that DeAnthony Melton got drafted to the Rockets by Daryl Morey. Um, or I think actually that they, I forget if they drafted him or picked him up for agency, but I loved it because I think he is a perfect fit next to James Harden does all the things Harden doesn't like, you know, defend and that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I, I think that's a great fit for them. And then there's two other guys that no one really paid attention to because we we're all sleeping by then Los Angeles, both, both LA teams picked up a guy that I think is maybe going to fit into their roster and, and play some minutes. The Lakers trade in for a pick and got Max Christie. He's another one of those three and D wings. He kind of reminds me a bit of, of how Austin Reeves played for them and was good last year. I could see Max Christie doing that on Michigan state. The Clippers took Musa Diabate. I had him top 10 on my board. I'm alone on that. That's just my evaluation. He reminds me of Pascal Siakam. Like he is a, a lanky forward who can maybe play some five. He's another one of those guys that extremely fits what the Clippers are doing as just like, 
He's a nasty defender. He can mirror dudes. He can block shots. He doesn't really know how to play basketball yet. So that, so that's the thing. They're going to have to work on that. But the Clippers have had success with these, you know, Terrence Mann comes to mind as a similar sort of player as a guard, but just a nasty defender length dude that they taught how to play. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Chris Giardiabate get some playoff minutes next, uh, next year there. That's going to wrap it up for Buckeyes. Thanks for joining us. Big week for us. Thanks for following along on the ups, the downs, the all overs. We'll be back next week looking at a little bit ahead to free agency. We'll talk about that and, and try and find some future plays for you as the markets start to open up. We'll probably honestly start getting win totals. Points bet put out win totals before NBA free agency opened. So we'll give you any sort of like sharp plays to make before those uh, start getting adjusted by free agency. We'll talk about that next week. I hope you guys have enjoyed the playoff coverage, the draft coverage, everything. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. I'm HB Basketball. Brandon's at Wheaton Brando. Download the Action Network app. We'll see you guys again next time. Have a great weekend. Let's get buckets. <laughs>